We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we're looking at the Space 1999 episode, the A.B. Chrysalis. And I just want to say, in my defense, if you will recall last time, I felt that we had confused A.B. Chrysalis and Catacombs of the Moon in their order. But in fact, what we have is a discrepancy between Wikipedia and the DVD box set. So, by some lists, this is the right order, and by other lists, this is the wrong order. So, I don't feel so bad about getting this in the wrong order. Mm. So, we'll pretend like there were no spoilers in this episode for Catacombs of the Moon. All right. Moonbase Alpha has been experiencing a regular series of shockwaves coming from a point in space that the moon is approaching. With each explosive force, the moon is being increasingly damaged. In 12 hours, the next one will almost certainly destroy Alpha. Koenig, Maya, and Alan take an eagle to the source of the explosions, a planet ringed by an almost perfect circle of moons. On one such moon, they discover the source of the explosions, an automated defense system designed to warn away hostile aliens. However, if the aliens refuse to go away, the system will ultimately destroy them. Unable to control the course of the moon's path, Koenig argues that they should be allowed to pass. The computer controlling the defense system cannot comply. Only its masters can, and none of them have been born. Desperate. Koenig goes to the planet proper, a world with a chlorine gas atmosphere. There, another computer tells him the same story. Only the inhabitants of the planet can decide to stop the explosions, and they haven't been reborn yet. Reborn? Koenig asks. Yes, the inhabitants periodically go through age and death, followed by a chrysalis phase, after which they are reborn more perfect each time. Unfortunately, none of them are awake yet. Well, when I say none, there is the Guardian, so, you know, one. Koenig asks to be taken to see the Guardian, and he, but he is old. And after pleading his case through the computer translator, the Guardian responds with his senility. Alan gets mad and tries to stop the computer from saving him. Well, that's just not very nice, Alan. Koenig is desperate, so he trains the eagle's lasers on the chrysalis room and threatens to kill them all if they don't behave humanely and save Alpha. Things are looking bad until two of the aliens awaken, and, and things are looking up because one of them has got the hots for Koenig, and she's naked. This, however, is a democracy, and the two aliens are deadlocked. The other doesn't have the hots for Koenig. They must await the third to be reborn. But he's the brother of the Guardian that Alan tried to kill. Awkward! And his vote is no. But the three Alphans may remain on the planet and live out their lives if they choose. However, they choose to die, knowing that Alpha will not survive the next blast, and that they don't have enough fuel to get home, even if it was going to survive. Before they leave, Kony gives an impassioned speech about higher morality, which would have been a lot more authoritative if Alan hadn't tried to kill one of them and Koenig hadn't been threatening them with destruction if they didn't do things his way. In space, the next explosion 
doesn't actually destroy anyone and speeds the eagle up so they can get home. The aliens were nice after all and naked. Did I mention they were naked? Eh, the AB chrysalis, or as I call it, eh, I didn't hate it. <laughs> what do you think of the episode, Ben? Uh, I didn't. Oh God, I I, I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, I really don't know. I mean, I started off watching this thinking, "Oh my God, what an utter terrible, terrible, terrible story." But halfway, you know, partway through, it's like, okay, maybe it, it's it's not as bad as it started. Mm-hmm. It seemed to. I'm not. It didn't redeem itself, but it did not end as badly as it started. I. <sighs> Yeah, this this is an interesting one. I um I mean I've got a lot to complain about in this episode. Um and and but but the beauty of it is is that's exactly what the what that's grist for this podcast when we actually have people making decisions and trying to get people to behave by a standard of quote universal decency and they themselves completely and utterly fail to do that the, the hypocrisy of that gives us something uh, to talk about but I, but but what came out but you know it just sort of it just sort of moseyed along in a sort of progression there's a, a bit of a mystery and as they go to each step along the way we get a little bit more of the mystery and there's a couple of places where that plays well and there's a couple of places that that plays kind of annoyingly stupidly but you know a, th- a thing happens and i think it would have so in, th- in that respect i i wasn't I didn't. I didn't hate it. I felt like the story actually progressed and it moved along at a decent pace. And I probably would have liked the ending to be a little bit improved. But um, eh, you know, and it had Sarah Douglas naked, which you know, uh, the Superman movies didn't have that, did they? No, they did not. But everything else really made me want to just take notes and go, well, why is it this way? And why is it that way? And what's what's this all about? And where did we go from there? So those were my thoughts, um, basically. But I didn't hate it. You know, some of these ones we've watched recently, I really disliked. This one, eh, I was, eh, all right, you know, it was... Which I suppose is an improvement when you compare it yeah. to episodes that we have watched recently. Catacombs of the Moon, for example. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so I'm going to, I'll, you know, un- unless you've got something you want to address first, I'm just going to hit, go ahead. Well, the, the one thing that just really set me off in the beginning was the science right towards the front. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I was just like, it, it, it uh, I, I felt like, you know, sticking my head to the wall while looking, while watching some of this. Uh, and, and there was one moment that just made me sit up and say, Huh? And that's when everybody assumes their crash positions, <laughs> except for, for Koenig, Koenig, who's decided that he's going to plug his ears. I I have that in my notes. Uh, note number two, four, five, uh, four. Why does only Koenig cover his ears? I don't understand that one at all. Everyone else is hiding under desks or, in the case it of Dr. Russell, stupid. cowering in a round corner. Yeah, but, that didn't look all that great either. But Koenig is just like, I better cover my ears. Cover my ears. And, you know, and, but, I'll, but I'll do it while I'm crouched in the middle of an open floor area. And he's looking at everyone else and no one else is covering their ears. No, because and, they're all hiding under something. Yeah, and and he doesn't notice that he's the only person on Alpha that's doing that. So, yeah, all right. He's the commander. All right. Well, let's 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 hit it then. Let's. I've got I've got a whole section on this, but let's just do this one first. So they start off, 
and they send all the eagles to the far side of the moon where they will be protected from the shockwave. At first, I didn't know what was going on there. I was like, why are they evacuating if they're going to get hit by the shockwave? But okay. Honestly enough, I kind of guessed that one. And here's the thing. I, I had seen this episode before, but I only remembered one little very, very, very... You know, I only remembered the part that was on the planet. But the naked people, that's the part I remembered too. Well, kind of. And the bouncy I, balls. I, 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 well, I don't remember the bouncy balls. I remember the naked people. I remember Maya turning into uh, a chlorine-breathing thing. Oh, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's all I... And, and, and I kind of surmised that, oh, I think this is how the, you know, how Koenig, Carter, and Maya will get back to the moon. But everything leading up to it, I have no memory of whatsoever. So where was I going with this? I have no idea. <laughs> you, you didn't remember much about the episode. So that, that no, was, no, I we really did. Oh, right. yeah. So, so with uh, the uh, the Eagles taking off to avoid the shockwave, I, I, I just without remembering that part, I just kind of guessed that's probably what they were doing. Yeah, I, 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 how many people were on the Eagles though? It didn't seem like they were really particularly full. Well, when they came, well, when they landed, I thought, oh, that's what they're for. They're the fire patrol, and maybe, and maybe. But okay, so we've we've talked about this before. I don't know that we have a definitive answer here, but I think the moon is not rotating. Probably not. Does that does that seem reasonable to you that that the moon is not rotating? That unfortunately, through the freak of the fact that the atomic waste is on the far side of the moon, that the that Alpha is unfortunately plowing through space Alpha first. Hmm. The moon is traveling Alpha once first again, wherever it goes. Once again, goofy science. If I mean, if if Al, if if uh, the the explosion took place on what we're essentially saying is the dark side of the moon, man, that that moon should have just come plummeting right into Earth. E, uh, well, yes, if it's the dark side and if it's the far side, we don't know where Alpha was. Well, actually, we do know what crater Alpha's in if we wanted to look it up. Uh, they mentioned it earlier, I think. So we probably could figure it out. But yeah, it is essentially the far side since um, since the moon's tidally locked with the Earth. Right. Um, but yeah. So it's it's travel. We're just going to have to go with this. That it's traveling. We don't have a choice first. by this point. Yeah, it's going Alpha first. So they hide on the backside. And they are cushioned from the blow. Now, that first thing that raises in my mind is then once they've passed the planet, Alpha, the moon is between the explosions and Alpha. So if the eagles were protected, didn't even seem to suffer any damage, then surely Alpha would be fine on the way out. I... Depending on where they were located again, I mean, it's the, the nature of the shockwave is a baffling one at best. So obviously it's very focused. It's not expanding out in all directions because if well, that were the case, then there's no place the eagles could hide except possibly, you know, behind the moon. Well, I think that's what they were doing. They were behind the moon. Okay. I, 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 I got, yeah, I think they said that. They were, they were behind okay. the moon. I, so the I, moon is shielding you. Part. The moon okay. is shielding you from the shockwave. So, um, so if that's the case, then now the moon would be shielding Alpha on the way out. That's one. The other one is, and, and I, at first I thought, well, this is just such an obviously stupid plot contrivance. And I tried to do the math and, well, okay, I didn't get as far as doing the math. <laughs> let's let's be honest here. We'll leave this oh, to physicists. Math? We'll leave this to physicists. But if if the 
Moon is 12 hours from an explosion. And Koenig and Maya and Alan travel to the planet's moon. And there's six hours left before the next explosion. We know it's roughly six hours to get there mm-hmm. for, for an eagle. To, and it took them half the time. So now they're on the planet. And they say at one point all they need to do is to delay the explosion four hours and Alpha will be safe. And if we're ignoring the fact that the bulk of the moon will be between Alpha and the planet, um, because obviously it just spins around and faces danger wherever it goes. If we ignore that, then that means that Alpha only needed to be as far away as it was on the previous 12 hours, which means a 16-hour an eight-hour transit to the closest point, and then eight hours back out, and you'd be as far away as you were the last time when you survived the explosion. That makes sense? So uh, when we, yeah. so far, so when we get to the planet, when Koenig is finished with his negotiations, they leave the planet. There's only 20 minutes left, which means Alpha is now, let's see, four hours into this? Yeah, four hours past the planet. Even though I don't think it said that, I think it said, whoa, we've now passed the planet when they were much closer. But if that was the case, I'm having trouble believing they'd run out of fuel. Because Alpha is much, much closer to the planet right? when they yeah. leave the planet. However, then I started thinking, he said, well, no, wait, man, the eagle takes off from the moon. The moon's got velocity towards the planet, so the eagle's already starting. It's a relative velocity between the the eagle and the planet, and so now once it's passed, the eagle has to play catch-up and maybe can't match the moon's velocity. But if that's true, then that means that they never probably were ever able to catch up to the moon once it had passed the planet, if they failed on Operation Exodus. That makes sense? Yeah, I don't think the does. eagles are fast enough. No, the moon is, moon is traveling faster than the eagle's top speed from a, from a dead stop. I think. Okay. That was, that was, that was seriously, I was just having the, the whole nerd out. I, when, when they started doing the numbers, I thought, Ooh, I, th- I think we can calculate something here. But then I started to realize, no, we can't because no. they, they're just, they were literally just pulling numbers. Oh yeah. Out of there. Yeah, th- I, I, it, this is not like with UFO no, or, yeah. or, or even man from Atlantis. <laughs> Which you could try to do the math on, and, oh then just, and, and then you'd see how badly it was done. This, I, I didn't even bother to attempt it. I mean, I know we did it a couple of times in the first year, but come the second year, I mean, considering how slipshod everything is, I just, you know, no way. I wasn't even going to attempt it. And at the end, Maya says our speed's been boosted to 800-something. Yeah. So we actually have a number there, but we just don't know 800 watts, yeah. I don't think. Meters per second, miles per hour. No <sighs> idea. <laughs> anyway, I just, I felt like, you know, if somebody wanted to work this out, that would be awesome. Just post Knock it in the comments out. below <laughs> and and let us know uh, if there's any way that you can make any sense out of those numbers as it's passing, passing that planet. Right. Um, and I, I think they do say we'd run out of fuel, but... Which would imply that the eagle could have caught up to it if they had enough fuel, but I don't... Anyway, okay. We'll just, um... All right. So, um... The... (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing just really, it, it just, I, I, I'm amused by it. I guess well, that's the whole thing. I'm, I'm well, actually, when I was th- watching it, I'm amusing. And that's part of why I didn't hate this is that well, I I'm would having agree with fun, that. having fun with the silly stuff. Well, I would, I, I, well, I would, I, I only agree with you so far in that because as, as I was watching all of this and keep in mind up to this point, I still have no idea what this episode is. Mm. I had no memory of it. So when it finally, when I finally kind of caught up with it in my memory and began to recognize, oh, this happens here, 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 and, and was able to kind of figure out the rest of the story, you know, oddly enough, that's, that's all the good part of, you know, or, or the best part. I'm not going to say the good part, but definitely the best part of this entire story. Um, so I, I think that's why I have such a really bizarre feeling about this one, hmm. because the beginning of this and some of the math is just so bad. <laughs> I, um, well, let's, let's run through a couple I have. Uh, the explosions occur every 12 hours, which Maya correctly deduces means that this must be a product of some sort of alien civilization and not natural. Uh, I guess nobody ever told her about Old Faithful. Or, or Pulsar, or yeah, Quasars. Quasars, Pulsars, yeah. Pulsar, yeah. Um, um, except there's another thing to it. It's 12 hours. The way yeah, she it's the phrases unit of it, measurement. It's, yes, it's the unit of measurement. She phrases it if it's exactly 12 hours, which proves that it's not natural, as opposed to it's an exactly precise interval every time. That's why it's not natural, which, of course, you know, it could be natural. The fact that the aliens would be using 12 hours uh, as their a human interval measurement. Yeah, makes no sense whatsoever, especially well, for keep chlorine in mind, readers. Keep in mind, this is the civilization that uh, when... Uh, Koenig is first trying to communicate oh God, with them. Yeah, that one's on there. Yeah, too. yeah, uh, and he draws uh, the solar system, but only goes as far as Mars. And I might add that he draws it completely out of scale in every oh, way. Oh, totally. I mean, every planet looks exactly the same size, and yet, and they're all and right there, burning up in the yet. sun. <laughs> right, and yet. As far as I mean, who knows how far away? I mean, how, they're, yeah, they're, they're they're another they're, galaxy. Well, they for- are, and and in this episode, Helena does say they're like twelve hundred days away from Earth since, since, since they've been blown away. Yes, she did. So one hundred eighty-eight. Yeah. So with that, I find it absolutely amazing that all Koenig had to do was draw one of the worst representations of the solar system and only go as far as four planets, and yet they, the computers uh, was able to deduce, oh. oh, you're from Earth. Well, in that case, here's the atmosphere. Here's some, here's some oxygen for you, buddy. Yeah, that one that one's wow. definitely on my list of things that didn't make any sense. And, and and then I have a deep question about that. If he had bothered to take the time to try to draw it remotely to scale and had bothered to fill out all the planets. My question is, Pluto or no Pluto? Oh, you rat bastard. <laughs> well, by then it would have been Pl- Pluto, yes. <laughs> For them it would have been Pluto, but you know, when they were making the show, but It was still been Pluto. But but it wasn't really a planet. So, and then there's Charon. Well, when okay, well, well when was know. when was Pluto de- uh, uh, designated a planet? Well, well, it was demoted ye- just a few years ago. Yeah, it was designated in the early uh, 20s. But we're ta- but if you're talking about when this when this was written, 
Who's written? By another... then it was. By then it was already a planet. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. T- I'm gonna say something right now. It's gonna blow your mind. This episode was written in another century. <laughs> Which bite just, me. Just. Just hurts. <laughs> It just hurts. It just hurts. Anyway. Yeah, well, watching Star Wars or Star Trek is like, yeah, that was last century. Yeah, I've gotten over it. Yes. (laughs) Anyway. um, Yeah, the... The planetary thing, yeah. Yeah, that that was... was, uh, Is it because... See, now, here's the question. There's no atmosphere on the moon that they're on. Right. Okay. The, The thing... The probe never talks to them until there's an atmosphere, okay? Which makes sense because... How can it speak? If there's no atmosphere, you can't transmit sound. Right, okay? And that was okay. I'm thinking, oh, that's not I'm fine too with bad. That. That's not too bad because before it put the atmosphere up, it talked to them with writing on the screen. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. But the only way that Koenig could possibly have given it the information it needed to work out the planetary system that it was on, is if it was listening to him speak. Mercury, Venus, Earth. Earth. Oh, you're from Earth. Well, especially after he draws um, the arrow. Yes, why would he draw the the arrow before he got to the other? (laughs) So you come from a four-planetary system. Yeah, four, oh yeah. You know, and and even if, it doesn't even, oh, even if he had drawn all the planets... Especially, especially when you consider how With badly he was doing it. Yeah, if you draw the rings, that might have helped. But then, oh, um, oh. you know, would we have rings around Uranus? It's you know. Oh, it, not going. There. <laughs> it's just, a, it's just a question. Not going there. Nope. <laughs> Does not touch it. Nope. Nope. Not, not going nope. there. Nope. Not doing it. Just staying away. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, and that's why I enjoyed this episode because I was just sitting there going. And then what about this? And then if that? And then how about that thing? And and who is going to sweep all that dust off of the roofs of Alpha? Yeah, I was who wondering gets about that. Job? that. <laughs> well, probably the you know Alan. He'll get into an eagle and he'll use you know the landing thrusters or or the landing jets to just kind of blow it all off. By the way, Alan, I've been meaning to talk to you about your angry Aussie relapse in which you attempted to kill. Our only contact of people who we're asking for mercy from. I think you get to sweep the roofs off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a bit of a return of the angry, uh, angry Aussie. I noticed that too. That was that was not his best. Uh, did you notice that there were phone booths? I think this is the first time I clocked in my brain that on Alpha there were phone, not booths like boxes, but phone booths like the curved thing where you. Kind of put your head How in it and take that. It's very early in the episode when they're doing the evacuation. There's like two or three of them on the wall at one point, and they're very clearly oh, kind of space those. age looking phone domes. And, and I'm thinking, why would why would they have that on Moonbase when they have the comm stations, and they apparently have no problem broadcasting everybody's calls out in public to everybody anyway. Hmm. And then they just have those. I I I don't know if they're new either. It's just the first time I ever noticed them. I'm like, I've never caught those. Oh, yeah, there are phone booths here. Um, let's see. They go out in the Eagle, and they're going to, on the moon, and Koenig's going to go out, and he turns to Alan, and he says, give me the camera helmet, Alan. And Alan reaches into the compartment that has exactly one helmet in it and hands it to Koenig, 
and it has Koenig's name written on it. Mm. Does that mean that there's a not-camera helmet with Koenig's name written on it somewhere? Well, I'm sure there is. Do all the crew have camera helmets on that eagle, and they just choose not to use the camera helmets, or is that just the one camera helmet? Ooh, good question. I don't have an answer for that. Yeah, it's, just, yeah, it's like, yeah. Um, the bouncing balls. I liked yeah. the bouncing balls. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. No, it's but it's, but it's alien. Cool. Yeah, it was very alien. It was kind of cool looking. Uh, it 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 was just weird enough that I could say okay. And, and, uh, and be fine with it. And I think that's part of it, kind of, because this episode has a, a little bit, and maybe maybe it's because they used balls a lot in season one on <laughs> Space 1999, but it it's one of the few times when it did kind of feel alien mm-hmm. in the, uh, as opposed to just a room painted orange like they do on most of them this season. Mm. Um, where the heck is Tony? That's a great question. I mean, I think we have our answer. He's in the catacombs of He's the moon. He's in the catacombs? Yeah. I think this is, I mean, this is obviously... He's playing football. And I, Oh, no, that was Alan. That, I'm thinking of a different episode. See, now, so... But they're all born together. And this, this, is the, this is the part that's weirdo, right? We have, and I'm guessing it's budget. So we have Koenig and Maya, and they are technically in both episodes. They're, they're minimally in catacombs. Yeah. Very minimally. But Alan is nowhere to be seen in it, in catacombs. Um, that's correct. And in this episode, Helena is minimally seen <laughs> in the episode, but she Thankfully, is there. But Tony, nowhere. He's nowhere to be seen. And he should be in it. Just like Alan well, he should, should have been, been running in the, the other show. One. Absolutely, he should have been running things on Moon on Alpha. Unless it's got this is, to be is, a contractual thing. Or not I'm a thinking it's a contractual a, thing you know, or something. Money you know, thing. Uh, you know, Landau said, "Okay, you know, if I'm going to be doing this, you know, then uh, then uh, wifey poo, she's got to be uh, she's got to be running the show on the Moon." Well, and that's the second half of that question: is why the hell is she running Moon Base? She shouldn't have been. She nope. shouldn't have been running Moon. She shouldn't have been doing what she was doing when they were preparing for the shock wave. She should have been in. She should have been. Oh, but you know, but here's the thing: we're ready in medical in... center. Are we really? Where are our doctors? Are they in medical center? No, well, they're here's... not. No. Well, well, well there, there might have been, just not her. Here's the thing: had she been in the medical center, any patients who would have been there would have died. I don't think that's Cody's better yet. Having her reason. up, uh, that might be why ha- I do it. But so I, I, would, that's why it. <laughs> I wouldn't want her in medical center. I don't trust her. You know, Helen, I was thinking maybe you should be in the uh, the like, uh, ma- botanical gardens. Yeah, she should yeah. kill all the plants. How's your green thumb? Yeah, no. So yeah, uh, and and yet Bill Fraser gets to be in both of them. I noticed. Because <laughs> he's cheaper than either Tony. I bet Tony and Alan get about the same pay grade. Hmm, or I should possible. say, um, uh, Alan, uh, I can't think of their names, Tony Anholt and... Um, uh, Nick Tate? Nick Tate probably have about the same pay grade. They can't be... No, I'm afraid we just don't have the budget for Tony or for yeah for Tony in this one. So, uh, yeah, it, it's odd. And they could have at least said, well, you know, Tony's down keeping an eye on the air conditioning. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they didn't even bother to do that. He just wasn't there, and you'd think, in Alpha's darkest hour, where is he? It doesn't, and that's a problem with the show. They just don't have that 
I don't have that consistency. I mean, it, it truly is the Martin Landau, Barbara Bain, Catherine Schell show. Uh, oh, definitely. This time around. Absolutely. I, I, and I think that shows in all their decisions whenever they're doing stuff. They, you know, I mean, well, yeah, clearly right. you want, well, clearly you need to be uh, pushing Catherine Schell because she, her, uh, Maya was, she had become a breakout character. So it's no wonder that they were starting to give her push. You know, and I can understand why. I mean, let's, let's be honest. She's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she is really beautiful. I'd rather look at her than look at old plastic face. I mean, Barbara Bain. Oops, sorry. Uh, any day of the week. Mm-hmm. So with that, plus, you know, the, the teenage boys, I'm sure they were all kind of like just, you know, having all sorts of just perverted fantasies, you know, with, with the fact that she could, you know, that, that Maya was, you know, is, is, is a shapeshifter. So naturally, she became this huge breakout character, uh, hugely popular. I can understand why they want to do that. Alan has been neglected. He yeah. has just been. I mean, we saw him a little bit, uh, you know, some you know, month or so ago, tossing a football. You know, but I, I will say I do have one thing in this episode in Alan's favor, and and I think we mentioned it last time in Catacombs. Tony did kind of sort of save the day. I mean, you know, he got to do his hero stuff where normally Koenig would have to do that. Mm. And we've talked in the past, like in season one, Alan can't do anything with an eagle. That, Car- that Koenig doesn't do better, you know. If you could just push that switch, Alan, we'd save the day. Nope, can't do it. Koenig has to put the switch, right? Alan did fly the eagle up through a very tricky maneuver in this episode, and Koenig didn't take the wheel from him. Mm. I was at least, I was ple- I, pleased enough to write that down. It's like, hey, Alan actually got to do his job. He's the head ego pi- eagle pilot. And he, <laughs> Koenig is the head ego pilot, and right. Alan is the head eagle pilot. And he flew it up and, and did a good job there, even though they were flying you know, to their death because they didn't have enough fuel. I'm going to say that it was interesting when they knew they were both going to die. Helena's going to say, I love you, and doesn't. And John doesn't say it back to her. Right. Did you notice that? I did notice that. For all the stuff that they play up between the romance, between... Koenig and Russell. Yeah. Why do they leave the words out? I I couldn't even begin to say. Is it supposed to be more profound because they know? I don't know. I mean, no, I, really I know. Don't. I know. Me too. I know too. <laughs> you, know, you know, I I thought that was weird because I thought for sure she was going to say it. John, I, I yes, I know. I do too. Fair. Eh, fine. Um. Little tag scene at the end, Maya and the base math system of the Psychons, based on functions of an ellipse. Oh, God. Yeah. That was an amusing scene. And why was there no one else in Maine? Every, well, <laughs> but you saw she was, she was, you know, you know, sodding off. She was, she was heading to some, there was some, some party or something that. No, she said lunch with Alan. Lunch with Alan. Oh, she said, I couldn't Alan. make out what she was saying. <laughs> lunch with But Tony. she was heading out. So I just figured, oh, maybe there's just some big social event and everybody was taken off. <laughs> That's where Tony's been. He's been planning this lunch. <laughs> it's like, everything's got to be perfect. i got to brew some beer. Well, now uh, that... Get yeah. To... <laughs> yeah. Oh, now, another explosion. Now, they can deal with that on the... Yeah, front, and now that, that Tony guy's gone, I can make my move on Maya. <laughs> uh, no, she's having lunch with Tony. Lunch with Tony. Oh, she's having lunch with Tony? Yeah, lunch with Tony. Oh, I could, like I said, I couldn't make it out because, you know... 
I don't know, maybe my hearing just isn't what it once was, but I just could not make out what it is that she said. And all I know is that she was heading out. So I just figured there was some big event that everybody at Alpha was headed to except for Koenig. You could see they were having a big blowout. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so let's get to the meat of it. Koenig, you guys shouldn't blow us up because that's the decent thing to do. And if you don't do the decent thing, I'm going to kill you. How does that get past the writers? What, 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 what does this... I mean, it, Alan's behavior notwithstanding, which is terrible. Mm-hmm. But Koenig is... And, and he says, it's desperation. Does that justify it? When you're trying to lecture somebody on universal decency, a universal sense of decency is what he says. And you're trying to lecture somebody on that, and then you justify, well, but I'm going to kill you because I'm desperate. I don't... I, I don't... I don't to register that. Yeah, the, exactly. It, I, it comes off as very disingenuous. And again, we're supposed to think Koenig is the hero? He is a complete and absolute... An, <clears throat> I can't use the word I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Um you know, his cult of personality, his bad decisions, his his not thinking logically, and the fact that he's willing to kill an entire race because they won't do things his way. And, you know, they're worried that Alpha might kill them. And that's why they have this defensive system up. And, you know, he's pre- presented no evidence to the contrary. In fact, everything he shows them should make them think, I'd be worried about these people. I, I I really have trouble with this. I really have trouble with this. And I I don't know why. How can you write a hero like that? I, I cannot I cannot think of another show where the hero is such a hypocrite. And I mean that's the only word for it. He's a hypocrite. I, yeah, I would agree. You know, it's one thing when they're gonna kill you. And by killing them, you survive a gunfight, right? Okay. They got you pinned down, whoever you are, Mannix or Barnaby Jones or whatever. And they got you pinned down and they're shooting guns at you. And if you can shoot them, then you get to live. Okay, it's it's problematic morally, but, but it's different from, oh, I'm going to die anyway. You've planted a bomb in my underwear and it's going to explode. And there's nothing I can do about the bomb in my underwear, but I'm just going to kill all you people. You know, be just out of spite. That's what it is. It's spite. And I and okay, I can even accept it if it's out of spite. I I, I mean I'm not gonna agree with it, but I can accept it as a motivation of a character. I could see that in a Bond villain. Well, if I can't have the world, nobody's gonna have it either. And blow them all up, right? I could see it. You don't get to lecture them on morality. If you're and not do that. willing to, you know, yeah, I mean Koenig, well, you know, oddly enough, yeah, I I noticed this in the episode, and yet, and this is going to sound really odd, but I'm going to say that it didn't bother me, but that's not actually correct. It did bother me, but it didn't surprise me, is actually more accurate. None of that surprised me. It's like, oh yeah, that's just, yeah, that's, that that's good old John. And the aliens, let's step back to the probes. Koenig goes into the first base, and at some point he pulls out his, not his laser, his detector, which looks a bit like a gun, and they blast the gun out of his hand, or the detector out of his hand, Uh and give him a shock. 
of electricity, but they don't kill him. And when he's threatening to blow them up, Maya's got the laser on him. They could kill him, but the computers don't. They don't kill him. They they try to incapacitate him. They right. shoot him a couple of times. Well, as why well, didn't you know? That's that's to me like the aliens don't want to kill. Well, they, they seem don't. Decent. They, they exactly, especially when you consider. Remember, why are they initiating these explosions in the first place? They are warnings. They're simply trying to tell people stay away. And even they admit, after a point, if you're not willing to stay away, stay away, you know, then then you kind of leave us no choice because we're sort of vulnerable. Right. But it's only after so many tries of, you know, saying "Don't come here," which obviously didn't seem to do a whole heck of a lot because um, Eagle just came right in there without any issue. So I guess it can't be that important. Well, and the twelve-hour delay is too long. Clearly, the answer to that, if if Alpha well, had been bringing a, if Alpha had been bringing an invasion force, then they could have simply sent all the Eagles in and. They're done. So yeah. the system didn't work. They needed to set those explosions off every five minutes or something to to do this. But five minutes is such a weird time thing. Twelve hours is much more universal. Um, <laughs> so I, I, yeah. And then he gives his, I, I, again, you know, please, decency, don't blow us up. We're, we're pure, harmless little lambs who have lost our way and we can't go through. We're just going to pass through your solar system. They can clearly see that, and but they're not going to do it. And, and he, at that level, he's bad enough of a hypocrite to me. Mm-hmm. But when he turns around and he walks out at the end and, and he says, well, loyalty's better than logic, first off, huh? Well, this comes from the guy who gave a big little spiel. Oh, when did when did he do this about you know the the the, the virtue of passions and loves you know versus intellect? Do you remember the? You know, I think that's yeah. The episode yeah, yeah, with yeah. Peter Cushing in it. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it's better to feel than to think. Yeah, right, Mister. It's better to feel than think. But he's talking about. In, in, first off, they say, "Well, you can stay here and not die." And I'm thinking, so could the other Alpha? That's come awfully here? magnanimous of those people too. And yeah, what about the rest of Alpha? Could the, could the rest and of the Alphas fly down here? I mean, they could all hop on the Eagles right now and come down to this planet. I mean, would we especially have to... if if you're going to really you, know, you call a spade a spade. Who's the one who's responsible, or who's the one who is apparently the most guilty of the the acts of violence? Well, Koenig, it's all yeah. Koenig. It's all well, and Alan up there too. But yeah, yeah, but Alan is doing it under. Well, yeah, Alan kind of did that on his own. That was just really stupid. Yeah, that it was really stupid on his part. But but they're really thinking about you know you were gonna you, you, uh, use your laser, you, you know you're gonna attack us. So that's all Koenig. And yet yeah. they're willing to let him stay and let the rest of Alpha just kind of go off in a puff of smoke. It's not logical for you to go back to them. Loyalty is better than logic. Okay, it's stupid, but, you know, it, it's, it, is, it is in response to... Uh, hope is better than despair. Mm. What, what is he trying to tell them? I don't know. <laughs> this, this is Koenig speak. They're, you know, they're not despairing. So he's lecturing them on the value of hope over despair. And he's going back to die. I guess they're being hopeful as they go back to die. I don't know. I don't know what it's supposed to mean. I have no idea. 
I mean, yeah, okay, I mean, fine. It, it Hope is no better sense. than spent. A half full glass is better than a half empty glass. I mean, seriously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And creation is better than destruction. Now, well, that's that a, one, that one works for me. Yeah, I not that he's asking them to create anything, but I mean, you know, creation's better than. I guess maybe he's thinking if he get back to Alpha, he and Doctor Russell can do a bit of creating. Mm. I, I don't know. Waka but, waka waka. But uh, you know, that's the only one of that trilogy of um, aphorisms or whatever the term is for that that should ring with them and go yeah you know it's better to not destroy things than it is so maybe we shouldn't destroy the moon okay fine i but it's just so you get that point yeah get that point you've already compromised yourself because you're a hypocrite and you threatened to kill everybody and you Done all this thing, and now you're going off. Well, I'm just gonna go off and die then, because I'd rather die than be here with a naked chlorine breather. And and he said, I just wanted to tell you, you seekers of perfection. That is such a childish, <laughs> petty line to me. It's like I'm pointing out you're a bunch of hypocrites if you think you're perfect because well, it, it yeah, adds, it, it uh-huh. adds the hypocrisy on on Koenig's part. I mean, that's it's it's almost like a triple standard. I know. <laughs> like, we admit we're not like that. That's why when we're desperate, we'll kill you. But but you should not. You're supposed to be better than us. I think is what you. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I didn't hate the episode because I'm liking were... it less and less in this conversation now. <laughs> Like that's the way it's supposed to work. But it's it's like, happening. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I know. The more that I think about it, yeah. I mean, I was kind of okay with it. Now, not so much. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of problems with it. It's just, I guess, I enjoy. I enjoy an episode where I can look at it. This is a weird thing that I can look at it and I can see the 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 disconnect there between what saying what they're doing. Because oh, I, I hate those. I I feel like I feel no. like I'm. I, I get a sense of superiority over the writer. <laughs> Oh no, no! I get angry. I, I get furious. So yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of getting angry. Uh, well, this you know, anyway. Because uh, yeah, because this this again, yeah, it's it's now that it's crystallizing in my brain in this conversation is like yeah, this really was stupid. It's got its problem. It's oh, it's got, got its lots of problems. This, it's it's stupid. And it, you know, it's stupid science. Uh, mm-hmm. Opening it up and and uh, he, as as it went on, it it had stupid behavior. It, it still comes back to me. It's like John Koenig is one of the most flawed. Oh, yeah. Or oh, you're being nice. Flawed characters we've ever seen. And and it's funny because, you know, he's he's the hero in the age of stand-up heroes who are better than us. Mm-hmm. Right? Nowadays, everybody's a flawed hero. Right? I mean, that's that's just the trope of modern television. Everybody we've got can't be a stand-up hero dude they have to be a flawed broken human being that ends up sort of being the hero of the story but they are not heroic in their stature or outlook and whatnot and Koenig is supposed to be of the old school you know and he's so bad he's so bad and I is that is that the difference between British television, British television sensibilities, even though they're writing it for American television, that that the people working on it, Fred Freiberger notwithstanding, 
have this just a different way of constructing a hero because i i don't i think their heroes back in those days were pretty stand-up too uh so. they were no this is just bad writing uh, anyway uh, I don't know that I have anything else about this episode. I Space don't. 1999. I do not off the top of my head know what the next episode is. I know it is not Catacombs of the Moon. <laughs> oh, thankfully. So uh, uh, check your IMDb, you know, check your Wikipedia listings, listeners, if you want to know what the next episode is, because that is actually the list we're using uh, on this. And uh, Ben, thank you for joining me. I wish I could say it was a pleasure. <laughs> and listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, FusionPatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle, at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at FusionPatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf.